Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus vegas 949-445-1119. Call now. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. This is an NBC News Radio special report, the coronavirus. Former Vice President Joe Biden says COVID-19 testing will be the linchpin to reopening the American economy. Speaking at a virtual town hall, the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee said essential workers deserve easy access and rapid result testing for COVID-19. Costco is now putting a limit on how much meat customers can buy. The wholesaler says members will only be allowed three products of beef, pork, and poultry. It comes as meat factories have temporarily shut down due to their employees testing positive for COVID-19. The U.S. Travel Association is outlining new safety guidelines for when the travel industry reopens. Roger Dow is the president and CEO of the group and says the coronavirus pandemic is dramatically reshaping the industry. After September 11th, we had the mantra, without security, there can be no travel. COVID-19 crisis has evolved this thinking to, without guidance, there will be no travel. I'm Brian Shook. California headline news. Governor Gavin Newsom provided a look at the unemployment situation in the state, saying 4.1 million people have filed a claim in the past couple of months. We reached a milestone, an important one, over $10 billion unemployment insurance we've now distributed uh, to people all across the state of California just since March 15th. Again, this is unprecedented in our state's history. Visit California says the state's tourism industry is on track to lose $72 billion in visitor spending in 2020. That's about half of what was generated in 2019. Oakland has announced it's launching Operation Homebase, which is a COVID-19 isolation trailer program. This is Mayor Libby Schaff. This will be serving unhoused residents from East Oakland who have a serious medical condition, such as heart and lung disease or diabetes or who is over the age of 65. However, COVID-19 patients will not be housed in the 67 high-end trailers donated by the state. Steve Clawson, California News. Hey, it's Flo with a super weird word, nightgown. If you ask me, it sounds less like clothes you wear to bed and more like things you say to your clothes. Good night, capri pants, sleep tight sweaters, nightgown. We've got a big day tomorrow. Now a weird word I just made up, flotection. It sounds like great protection for your new home through me and Progressive, and that's because it is. I said goodnight, Capri Pants. Go to sleep. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? 
Now imagine an addition on that addition. That's the feeling with Capital One, where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times, as represented by five times more singers. This is banking reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. What do you get when two pizza-loving brothers start making their own pizza? Strongman Pizza. Some of the best pizza in the area, made up by Andrew and Amon Gonzalez since 2013. It was a slow start, but now it's in high demand at two locations. Strongman delivers to Redlands and Yucaipa. Get it now. Google it now. Strongman Pizza. Delivered right to your door. Mouth-watering and amazing. Dough made from scratch and proof to perfection. A layer of patented strong sauce to give each pizza that zesty goodness it deserves. A garlic butter crust to get that crisp, flavorful crust that is never left behind. A mountain of 100% mozzarella cheese oozing flavor into every bite. Topped with the freshest ingredients found on earth. All produce purchased locally. All pizzas made with love. People can order online at strongmanpizza.com. That's strongmanpizza.com or Google Strongman Pizza. They're taking every precaution to stay safe and deliver your pizza under the safe at home guidelines. Eat strong, stay strong, be strong. Strongman Pizza. Attention SSI recipients. If you did not file a tax return last year and have children under 17, you must act now to get the $500 economic impact payment per child. If you do not act by May 5th, you must wait until next year to get those payments. Go to irs.gov and enter your information in the non-filer tool by May 5th. That's irs.gov. This message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. Talk 102.3 FM, Riverside, KCAA, NBC, RadioNews.com. The following program on KCAA is pre-recorded. Welcome to Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. Here's to Your Health discusses the current thinking and wellness, bringing you the most influential thinkers in beauty, fitness, and longevity. Your host, Joshua Lane, was part of the Dr. Ann Wigmore team that helped bring wheatgrass, sprouts, and raw foods to a worldwide audience. And now the host of Here's to Your Health, Joshua Lane. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. My guest during this COVID-19 pandemic, a, the most important topic, I think, on everyone's mind the past month or so, our guest is Jennifer Margolis. Jennifer Margolis is a PhD and a uh, award-winning science journalist, a Fulbright guarantee, and a sought-after speaker who has written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and actually had an article on the cover of Smithsonian Magazine. And she has a number of important books out. And one of the books we'll cover today is The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, which is uh, Dr. Paul's safe and effective approach to immunity and health from pregnancy through your child's teen years, which was published by Ballantine Books. And both books were written in conjunction with Dr. Paul Thomas, MD, who is an integrative pediatrician uh, and supposedly has more than 15,000 children in his private practice in Portland, Oregon. So it's really a great pleasure to have Jennifer Margolis on the show today. Jennifer, thank you for your time. Uh, during COVID-19, obviously, I'm sure you 
have a lot of things kind of going on. Uh, so please give us, the listeners of Here's to Your Health, your educational background so we understand where your degrees come from. Um, okay, sir. Thanks for having me, Josh. Sure. Um, so I've been researching and writing about children's health and health in general for over 15 years. My background is um, I have a BA from Cornell University, an MA from UC Berkeley, and a PhD from Emory. So I'm a highly trained researcher. But my background, actually, I'm a science journalist, and I come from a long line of scientists. My uncle won a Nobel Prize in physics, and my mother was a very prominent microbiologist. I, myself, my background is more in the humanities, so I studied um, English and American literature. But what that PhD taught me, when I started writing for a, a lay audience to explain really difficult concepts to anybody, I was grateful to have a PhD, but I also had to kind of unlearn some of the academic writing so that I could make it more accessible. But, you know, what having that background has taught me is how to do a really deep dives into research. Yes, I completely agree. Our guest is Jennifer Margolis, who's a Ph.D. Uh, from Emory and with an undergraduate degree from Cornell and a master's degree from University of California at Berkeley. So those are all very excellent schools in America. They're all among the leading schools in the United States. And Jennifer, uh, I'm happy to say, uh, has been covering topics of wellness in a way that many mainstream journalists do not cover. Because I hate to be critical, but I find many mainstream journalists, it's as though they've been hired to be public relations people rather than journalists. And they never seem to criticize any contemporary medical procedure. They seem to love everything. Whereas Jennifer Margolis questions some ideas and is questioning now the idea of COVID-19, looking for possible reasons why it's affecting people. And one of the areas that Jennifer has uncovered is the potential link between glyphosate, the chemical found in Roundup, which is used worldwide and very heavily in the United States, and problems with wellness. So Jennifer, can you address some of those questions? Absolutely, I would love to. Um, you know, what, I, what I need to say is that, you know, we are humans. We're being bombarded all the time by, by potential infections, by viruses, by bacteria. And those infectious agents don't want to kill us. They want to cohabitate with us. And this probably isn't new to your listeners, but it certainly is something that's still kind of outside the mainstream that we... You know, we cohabitate with beneficial microbes. And the reason why that's so important to us is because those microbes are a first line of defense for our immune system. So the beneficial microbes that live in us and on us are helping us not get attacked by, you know, viruses and microbes, other microorganisms that could potentially kill us. So the problem, the issue, I mean, obviously COVID-19 is terrifying for, I think, everyone worldwide, even if you think that some of the death numbers have been inflated, um, or if you live like I am blessed to live in a place where you have, or that really has not been hit hard by it. We've had zero deaths from COVID-19, and only something like 87 people have been infected in my county, which is about... 220,000 people strong. Um, but even if you're, so even if you're not at the epicenter, if you're not right in New York City, you know, watching what's happening, it's still terrifying. This is a, a novel virus that our bodies need to understand how to fight, right? And the question becomes, 
there's, you know, there's two issues. One is the virulence of the virus, of the infection, and the other is the health of the host because two people can get exposed to the same disease, even a disease like polio um, or I'm trying to think of diseases that really instill a huge amount of fear, rabies or scarlet fever, right? Two people can get infected by the same disease and one person gets a mild illness and recovers without incident, and one person gets incredibly sick or even dies. And the question is, why did that happen? A lot of that answer has to do with how healthy you are to begin with. And the hypothesis about glyphosate, which I find fascinating, and I really want to make sure I emphasize that this is just a hypothesis, which means that it's not, quote, scientifically proven, but it makes a lot of sense. This is something that was put forth by Stephanie Seneff, um, and you were just telling me that Dr. Seneff has recently been on your show, but that humans who have been overexposed to glyphosate, and I would say humans that are being overexposed to toxins in general, and I hope we'll have time to talk more about the toxins, including glyphosate, that really concern me, but that humans who are overexposed to glyphosate have such compromised immunity that it's affecting them to the point where when we look at the people who are hardest hit with this viral infection, we're seeing that they're in the places where there's more toxic exposure, especially glyphosate exposure. And since Stephanie, you know, Stephanie wrote a 16-page article for my website that I think that you read, and it has 38 references. I think 35 of them are peer-reviewed science and, you know, really getting into the, the deep weeds, um, the, the nerdy science weeds. But since she um, has published that on my site, she's uncovered more interesting information about different ways that people in New York City are being more exposed to glyphosate than other than people in other places. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a hypothesis that I think holds water because we see that when children are overexposed to toxins and that toxins can have really a synergistic effect, that means that one of them by itself might, be, might not be a, a too much, causing too much harm. But if you start putting two or three together, you know, you start to see unbelievable problems. We know this with lead, for example. Everyone knows that humans should not be exposed to lead, especially human children, right? And if you have lead-exposed children, you see that they're more vulnerable to other problems later on. So the idea is that if you're being overexposed to glyphosate, it makes it much harder for your body to fight off this COVID-19. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. Our guest is Jennifer Margolis. Jennifer Margolis is an award-winning journalist, science journalist, author, and uh, has a Ph.D., and has written for, among other publications, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and The Smithsonian Magazine. Uh, Jennifer is talking to us about COVID-19 and about potential theories as to what might contribute to the problem, including the exposure to glyphosate. So again, Jennifer, we're exposed to glyphosate. How? Well, there's so many unfortunate routes to being exposed to glyphosate, but the, you know, the main one is that it's in our food and it's in our water. So glyphosate is the main ingredient in Roundup, but it's also found in many, many other um, herbicides especially. And you know, we're told by the manufacturers of glyphosate that it's safe, but we know that it's not. We know it's devastating for honeybees, for other wildlife, for the 
health of the soil and also for humans. I mean, in some sense, that's just common sense, right, Josh? Like, if something is an herbicide or a pesticide and it's going to kill, it's going to kill living things. It makes sense that it would also be harmful for your body. If you know, we could go into the very detailed reasons how what glyphosate seems to be doing is disrupting our microbes. And, you know, the problem is, so Monsanto has said for years that it's safe for humans because humans are different from plants, right? But it turns out that actually the same pathway that it disrupts in plants, all of our beneficial microbes also have it. So we're mostly being exposed to it through the food that we eat because humans these days eat, you know, what Michael Pollan calls edible food-like substances instead of food. And those highly packaged, highly processed foods, often, if they're not organic, and unfortunately, even if they are, can often be, um, you know, have toxic levels of glyphosate. And we're talking about a, a tiny, tiny amount that can be completely disruptive to our beneficial microbes. Another way that's really shocking that humans are being exposed to glyphosate is when it's content when other products are contaminated with it. So, for example, Moms Across America had um, samples of vaccines sent um, to a lab, blind, placebo-controlled um, samples of vaccines. So the, the people who were doing the sampling didn't know, you know, what they were getting or anything. And unfortunately, they found that several of those vaccines were contaminated with, with measurable quantities of glyphosate, which means that children are also being exposed to it when they're being vaccinated, which is another major, major problem and can be potentially very disruptive for human health. Wow, I, I did not realize that. Our guest is Jennifer Margolis, Ph.D., science writer. Uh, Jennifer just mentioned to us that they've actually found glyphosate samples in certain vaccines that we are, I guess, using... Uh, I guess they use in a popular way for just children. So that's uh, that's really quite shocking that that there would be no quality control to detect that. It's really shocking. And ever since Moms Across America, which is an, a wonderful nonprofit group that was started by a young mom who was you know very conventional, feeding her children conventional food, doing all of the vaccines on time, doing all the other recommendations that the mainstream health uh, authorities you know suggest. And she saw her children getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and she started educating herself about this. And unfortunately, you know, since that study came out, it was um, it was done in 2017 or 2018, so a couple of years ago now. You would think that this would be something that the FDA and the CDC would jump on to verify, because if it's wrong, we need to know that the lab didn't do a good job. If it's right, we need to do everything we can to get that toxic chemical out of our children's vaccines. Unfortunately, we've had radio silence from the public health authorities, which I find incredibly disappointing. And, you know, I hope that that will change soon. So, you know, people across America, moms across America, I mean, over a million people belong to moms across America now, have asked public health to step in and figure this out. Why are we seeing so many kids with such compromised immune systems, with so much brain damage in America today. Is glyphosate one of the main reasons? That's an open question that our public health authorities need to start answering. Our guest is Jennifer Margolis, Ph.D., an award-winning science writer. Jennifer, so this is a very uh, difficult question about you know COVID-19, about glyphosate. Uh, 
and it's um, as, and I guess you could feel a little depressed about it, except that by retrospect, we remember that when lead was used to be in gasoline and in paint and all sorts of other products, and we had a fight with them for 30 years, and eventually that was taken out. So things really do change. Has there been some very good progress over problems associated with glyphosate over the past several years? I mean, that, yeah, that's an excellent question, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I, I don't want to be any, I don't want to be promoting any kind of gloom and doom, because I actually think that all of this information is totally empowering, because once you know, on a personal level, you know, once you know what might be making you or your family sick, you can start taking very simple, very effective action to change it on the personal level. And on the bigger level, uh, you know, on the, on the social level, um, absolutely. I, a day does not go by where I don't see an advertisement from a law firm suing Monsanto. I mean, Monsanto is a multi-billion dollar company, right? Yes. And the trolls are unbelievable. After I, I told you about the article that Dr. Seneff wrote, we started getting trolled in a way that I was, I've been doing this for a long time, Josh, and even I was surprised at the vehemence and the nastiness that people coming out of the woodwork, quote-unquote, defending Monsanto, like, you know, of all the people you're going to defend, this multi-billion dollar company that takes profits over people every single time, and of course, a lot of these people we know from work of investigative journalism are actually being paid to derail the conversation. Um, to make it and to do ad hominem attacks to attack people. But despite that, despite their huge power, you know, we are actually moving the needle with lawsuits. So we know there's some very high-quality science that links glyphosate to cancer, that especially um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, That's pretty much now being accepted by the scientific community and the medical community um, because the the data is high-quality. And so... That message, I think, has not only gotten out, but I think, but you know, there are lawsuits pending against these this company, and I think that we're going to win the lawsuits. Um, and you know, so that's a positive. The other positive is that you absolutely can limit your exposure not only to glyphosate but to other toxins that could be harmful to your to your children's health. And when you limit that exposure, you're not actually limiting anything. You're opening up this entire world. So when you start when you stop eating like an American and we call the American diet sad, standard American diet <laughs> and it is really sad, Josh. I mean it makes you sad. It screws up your mood. It screws up your blood sugar. It you know, it it, it messes with your libido. There's a lot of reasons why we should not be eating Pop Tarts for breakfast and Chef Boyardee for lunch. But when you when you realize that and you kind of take back your health and you start feeding your kids things like bananas that come in their own package, right? You can carry them anywhere. And, um, you know, healthy foods, healthy fats, fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and all sorts of interesting, wonderful, real, whole, natural foods that aren't tainted with toxins as much as you can. Eating organic will help. Like I said at the beginning, you can't, you know, you can't totally avoid glyphosate, but you can vastly diminish your exposure to it. Jennifer? What you start to realize is that your family is healthier and happier, and you are discovering all sorts of wonderful things. Yeah, that's completely true. We we have simply run out of time. So could you do me a favor? Please give the listeners of Here's to Your Health your contact information, and I'm going to have you on the show again. What's your contact information? Absolutely. So people can find me through my website, which is www.jennifermargolis.net. 
and Margulis is M-A-R-G-U-L-I-S, and that's the best way to reach me is jennifermargulis.net. That sounds fantastic. A very important interview with Jennifer Margolis, who has a new book out called The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. Really a very worthwhile website. Read this information. I think you'll benefit from it. This is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back after these important messages. Have you had your Carlson Norwegian fish oil today? Decades ago, scientists discovered why Greenland Eskimos maintain healthy hearts despite their high-fat diets. The high level of omega-3 oils in their seafood diet protected their hearts. Carlson Norwegian fish oil provides those important omega-3 oils. The same omega-3s from cold water fish support maximum brain power, immune strength, joint comfort, and our vision too. Carlson, the very finest fish oil, is a valuable source of the important omega-3s EPA and DHA. Each teaspoon provides a full 1,600 milligrams of omega-3s. And its purity is guaranteed. Try it on salads and popcorn. It tastes like lemon, not fishy. As for Carlson, the very finest fish oil at finer health food stores today. Everyone's talking about no matcha. I mean everyone, not just people who already drink matcha. Tennis players, construction workers, executives, and teachers are making no matcha a part of their day. No matcha has an incredibly rich flavor, is low in calorie, gives you an energy boost without the crash, and contains oh-so-important antioxidants. It's everything your personal trainer wants in your diet, whether you're an all-star athlete or a weekend warrior, 100% traditionally made Japanese green tea, no matcha. We're back. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. And my guest is Lisa Steele. And Lisa Steele, you may have seen her on TV. She's on public broadcasting on Maine TV. And she has a number of important books out. And she's the author of a new book called Do-It-Yourself Chicken Keeping. And Lisa's part of the organization called Fresh Eggs Daily. And Lisa Steele is a fifth-generation chicken keeper from Maine. And during this COVID-19 pandemic, some of us are looking for a better quality food supply. We're looking to entertain ourselves. We want to save some money. And it just turns out that for many of us, raising chickens at home is not only fun, because chickens actually are fun, but also you save money and you get nice, fresh food that's actually good for us. So Lisa Steele, I'm happy you're available today to speak to us about Fresh Eggs Daily. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm Absolutely, I'll be happy to talk about chickens. Yeah, well, chickens are great. I mean, people kind of like chickens, and uh, I certainly like chickens, and they're friendly enough. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, in some of your books and on your website, how some chickens are better than others uh, and having around at home, that they're more gentle with children, etc. Uh, and so, is that, is that a good place for you to start? Sure. I think that well, I think you should always start with baby chicks. You know, this time of year, the feed stores have the baby chicks, or you can order them online, believe it or not, and they deliver them to you in a box. But starting at the baby stage, you get to enjoy that because baby chicks are adorable. But you also handle them. They get used to you. They're more comfortable with you. If you have small children, the baby chicks are less threatening than maybe a full-size hen would be. And then by the time the chickens are full-grown, which they're still not that big, 
they're going to be part of the family. They're going to be more like pets than a food source or livestock, which is really nice. Yeah, you know, it was really very nice. And frankly, people really do enjoy chickens. Uh, they have a very nice look. And of course, they give us eggs, and they are really friendly. You mentioned how, in general, you don't want any roosters at all, because roosters, when they mature, they will go after small children. Yeah, roosters, I've tried so many times, and you don't need a rooster in order for your hens to lay eggs, which I think is something important people don't realize. You only need a rooster if you want to hatch those eggs into baby chicks. You know, so that the average backyard flock doesn't need a rooster. And I think that most people are happier without one because they, they can get pretty aggressive, which they're just doing what roosters do, which is protecting their, their flock. Right, right, right. And, uh, right, so we don't need uh, roosters because they, they will jump up and try to, you know, hit you with their claws, with their, uh, I don't know, what do you call that? What do you call that little device they use that, to uh, nail you? Talons. <laughs> yeah, right. Talons, right. <laughs> they go after you. I'm a, I'm a former 4-H yeah, member, yeah. so I remember they have, uh, you know, they go after you. Uh, and also, yeah, I did notice that you mentioned that some breeds of chickens you find are more desirable than others as far as being more gentle with children. Yeah, absolutely. If you're a first-timer, there's over 100 chicken breeds, and they can get kind of overwhelming. But if you stick with the Orpington family, there's Buck Orpingtons, Lavender Orpingtons, Australorps. Those are a larger but really docile, really calm breed. They're good layers. They're hardy. Um, they're, they're sweet chickens. I enjoy the Orpington family. And also Brahmas, which are bigger. But, again, <laughs> excuse me, again, they're very, very calm. As are Cochins. Cochins are, they're just big balls of fluff. They have feathered feet, and, and they're, they're not big, but they're very fluffy. And, again, very friendly, lap chickens. You know, they'll follow you around the yard if your kids want to carry them around all day. They'd be okay with that. Wow. Well, because really, I hate to keep saying this, but really, chickens are fun. It's, it's, chickens are just, they're fun. And they actually they make are. pretty good pets, and they turn out to be intelligent, don't they? I think they're smarter than people give them credit mm -hmm. for. I mean, obviously, as a species, they're kind of at the bottom of the food chain. So everything wants to eat them, basically. Right. You know, so they, they've got to have developed some kind of smarts to not, you know, be eaten. And, of course, we have to keep them safe as well because that's part of our job as, as their keepers. But they know what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat, how much of different things they should eat. You know, so I, I think like any animal, they do have a lot of street smarts. Hmm. Now, let's talk about the nuts and bolts of it. So they really do need a chicken house, and I know that there's been some discussion over the past number of years of the idea of having a mobile chicken house so that the chickens have always fresh ground to graze on, and that gives them, they, some people feel, just better quality eggs. Do you listen to that advice? Um, well, okay, so yes, if you have a fairly small property, then it's a good idea to um, have one of these mobile chicken tractors, they call them, where you can basically move the chickens around to different plots of grass so they don't just destroy that one plot. And they can always be on new grass, eating bugs. If you have a larger property and you can build them a large, you know, a stable pen, that's an option. Or if you're home and you feel comfortable, you can just let them out into your yard. But they are very destructive. So if you're a gardener and you have some prize. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Plants and shrubs and things that you don't want eaten. <laughs> it's probably a good idea to keep your chickens penned up or at least put cages around, you know, your rose bushes or things that you really don't want the chickens to eat. Right. Yes. Well, that seems very, very practical. And uh, so you have been from a family of five generations of Maine farmers. Was your family at one time, were they involved with large scale production of eggs? Yeah, my grandparents were chicken farmers. They had a huge barn that had two wings on either side of it, and it was full of chickens, and they sold the meat and the eggs. They also had a diner that they supplied with the meat and the eggs. So they that's what they did to support their family. And then my parents were both teachers, so we, we just kind of were casual chicken keepers. You know, we had a little flock out back, and I did 4-H and, and all that, and they supplied us with eggs. Um, I'm pretty sure we ate our chickens as, you know, growing up. I don't remember it. I think I might have blocked it out, but mm. I don't eat my chickens today. We just eat the eggs. And may I ask, what was it that made you kind of segue into, like, just devoting all your energies as a, as a creative person into egg production? Um, well, my husband was in the Navy and I was an accountant. I worked on Wall Street and when you're in the Navy, you bounce around. So it's not really conducive to much of a career. So I started raising chickens kind of as a hobby about 11 years ago, kind of getting back to my roots. We were living in rural Virginia at the time and um, I just really liked it. And I found that I had learned a lot growing up with chickens and I thought I had a good message to share, which... I use a lot of herbs, a lot of edible flowers, a lot of um, gardening for my chickens, planting things that they can eat to supplement their diet. You know, it's kind of a different message, and people seem to enjoy it. So it just kind of snowballed and turned into this, which is, you know, like you said, a website and, and books and, you know, product line and that whole thing. Well, our guest is Lisa Steele uh, from Fresh Eggs Daily, the author of a brand-new book. Lisa has a number of books, but the brand-new one is called Do-It-Yourself Chicken Keeping, and Lisa Steele is a fifth-generation chicken keeper from Maine. So, Lisa, you also mentioned, you know, that we talked about the idea of organic agriculture, and also I noticed that you use certain herbs, which you give to your chickens, which you feel are very positive for the health of the chickens, and then they go into the quality of the egg. So what are some of the herbs that you have found the chickens really enjoy eating that you feel are, is smart to give them? That's a good question. Pretty much any culinary herb is going to be okay. You know, anything that we can eat is going to be okay for the chickens to eat. I go heavy on the oregano, which actually studies have been done that it's a sort of natural antibiotic. So that's a good one. Parsley is just packed with nutrients. It's one of the most nutritious herbs, and they seem to like that a lot. If you give them marigolds, that'll make their egg yolks really, really bright orange, which everybody seems to like, especially if you're selling at a farmer's market. Um, And marigolds do have some health benefits as well, but I mean, pretty much any herb, a lot of them have great um, respiratory or immune system benefits. So my chickens actually have their own herb garden and I 
plant herbs. There's some perennials. And all summer, they just kind of can nibble or do whatever they want. And it's, it's their garden, and I let them choose what they want to eat, when they want to eat it, how much. And then I dry herbs, and I also add them to their feed in the winter, just a whole mixture of everything. I mean, basil and thyme and tarragon and you know pretty much anything I grow for our own cooking use. Well, our guest is, Jen- is Lisa Steele with the book uh, from the organization Fresh Eggs Daily and her brand new book, Do-It-Yourself Chicken Keeping. Now, Lisa, uh, as far as marigold, so marigold is is also good for vision, is it not? Um, you know, I don't know okay. about that. But okay. if, it, if that is true, then that's important because chickens find their food and they look for predators. Their eyes are their strongest sight. They don't have a great sense of smell or a great sense of taste. Um, but it's really their vision that's important. So if, if that's the case, I'm going to have to research that. But um, that would be wonderful. When you started adding herbs like oregano and all the herbs that we might use when we cook to the chickens, uh, you know, healthy regime, had you read that in various health books and thought it was just a good idea? Or had you had you worked with someone from the you know, ag department from Cornell who said, oh, Lisa, let's really use some of these herbs for chickens. I mean, how did you arrive at these ideas? There was a book written in the 1800s, I believe, that was an herbal kind of stable handbook that had information about using herbs with horses and sheep and goats and chickens, and it just kind of touched on it, and it started getting me interested. And then I read a study where wild birds will actually line their nests with weeds and edible flowers and things, and they feel, the scientists feel that this protects the baby chicks, the essential oils rub off on them, and they eat some of them. So I really started getting interested and started doing more reading. There's not a lot of studies done, unfortunately, even today. But I have spoken with the poultry science department at Texas A&M and at Auburn University, some poultry, um, you know, avian experts, and they believe that benefits carry from species to species because our makeup is very similar. So something that's going to, you know, say echinacea is great for human respiratory systems, it's probably also going to be good for chickens or dogs or horses or whatever. So... I feel comfortable, um, and bottom line, it's, you know, it doesn't hurt the chickens, so even if it isn't helping, it's not hurting, and they really like them. Right. I, I completely agree with you. Our guest is Lisa Steele from Fresh Eggs Daily, author of a number of books, her newest being Do-It-Yourself Chicken Keeping, and uh, Lisa is a fifth-generation chicken keeper from Maine, and you might have seen her on public broadcasting and uh, does many radio and TV shows. Uh, so, Lisa, when you're working with children, which... You know, and chicken production, egg production, it seems like a very nice thing if you combine the two, especially uh, if they're at home. In other words, if you're a mom and dad and you have children that you're raising successfully and you're raising chickens and the children get to work with the chickens, that seems like a really nice thing, a good thing to teach children. So what are some of the ground rules as far as having home egg production and your children? That's a good question. I mean, I did grow up around chickens. I have to admit, I didn't love them as a child because it was just one more chore. You know, those are the days when kids had um, all kinds of chores and they didn't get an allowance. You just kind of had to do all this work for free, Mm -hmm. free labor. Uh, So we had to collect the eggs and clean the coop and all that. But um, it is a great lesson for kids. And I think that just making sure that your small children are supervised, especially when they're handling the chicks and that they understand they have to wash their hands. You know, no touching your face or putting your fingers in your mouth. You have to wash your hands after handling the chickens. But letting small kids collect the eggs, even if they drop a few, it's not the end of the world. Letting them fill 
the feed buckets or carry a little bucket of water. You know, those kind of things are all things that the kids can do. They can count the chickens at night before they're locked out. And then as long as an adult follows along behind to make sure that the coop is locked at night and everybody's inside. But I think depending on the age of the child, they can have different responsibilities that are really, really important as far as, you know, learning skills and, and things like that. Right. I, I think that's a very good uh, thing to teach children. And you're right. I guess when we were younger, we had to do stuff and it was just chores, just, just the work you did around the house. And it was your part of the you know, keeping the house up, which is nice. Uh, and right. of course, children really do like working with little chickens. And the young children find little baby chicks very appealing. And luckily, they are really fun. And also, it's fun to carry them around. You know, kids seem to like that. And as long as the children are trained not to hurt the chickens, everyone seems happy. And chickens do seem actually very good natured, actually. They seem to kind of enjoy being carried around. Uh, which it seems like a, so everybody's really happy with that. Now, when you have chickens, how soon before they begin giving you eggs, and how long can you keep them? Uh, chicken will start laying around 20 or 22 weeks old, so around five months old, you'll start getting your first eggs, and then they'll generally lay well in the spring and summer, and then kind of drop off in the fall and winter. And a chicken will lay for about two or three years really well, and then production will start to drop off, so you won't get an egg every day. You might get one, you know, every other day or every third day. And then by the time the chicken is five or six years old, you're probably not seeing very many eggs at all. The chickens can live to be 10 or 12 years old, so you do have to have a plan for that because you're probably going to be caring for a chicken well into her retirement ages. Oh, so you actually do that by way of course? You feel it's a nice idea to keep the chickens in the home for, say, five, even up to 12 or 13 years? Yeah, we actually, our oldest chicken, which was one of our first that we got in 2009, she um, passed right after her ninth birthday, and she probably hadn't laid eggs for three years. But, you know, she was still out in the grass. She was eating bugs. She was eating ticks. She was providing plenty of manure for the garden. She actually hatched some baby chicks when she was older, so older hens still have a place in the flock. And as you mentioned, they're, they're pets, you know, more than anything, and they're just enjoyable to watch and have around. So, um, yeah, you have to be prepared for, for a good decade with your chickens, and they have different different duties at different stages in their life, I'd say. Right, right. Uh, <clears throat> Lisa, do me a favor. As we come to the end of the interview, our guest is Lisa Steele from Fresh Eggs Daily, author of Do-It-Yourself Chicken Keeping. Lisa, how can listeners of Here's to Your Health contact you to find out more about your work? Absolutely. My website is com, and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at FreshEggsDaily, so it's really easy, and uh, my email contact is at all those places, but it's FreshEggsDaily at gmail.com. I'm absolutely happy to offer advice or point you in the direction to an article if anybody is interested in getting started with chickens, because I really think that it's a great pastime, especially these days. Okay, Elisa, do me a favor. Give us your email address once again. FreshEggsDaily at gmail.com. Very good. Thank you very much for your time. Our guest has been Lisa Steele with Fresh Eggs Daily, the author of Do-It-Yourself Chicken Keeping. Lisa is a fifth-generation chicken keeper from Maine. This is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back after these important messages. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. And most American diets are low in important omega-3 oils. Omega-3 oils are the vital components of fish that provide numerous health benefits. 
Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems supply concentrated amounts of these omega-3 oils that are needed to support vision, brain function, and a healthy heart. Each great-tasting Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gem Soft Gel contains 1,250 milligrams of fish oil from deep cold water fish. That supplies a full 800 milligrams of omega-3s, all in only one easy-to-swallow soft gel. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence, for they are tested for purity, potency, and freshness by an independent FDA-registered laboratory. Ask for Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems at your favorite natural food retailer today. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane, and my guest is Robert Ferguson. Robert Ferguson is a nationally recognized certified nutritionist, and he's a fitness expert and a speaker. And he actually has, is serving currently on the Presidential Task Force on Obesity for the National Medical Association. And Robert Ferguson has worked with the NAACP, a very important organization, uh, and several other organizations devoted to supporting health in underserved communities. And he has authored two evidence-based studies on weight loss and reversing childhood obesity and has penned three books on nutrition and fitness. And he is currently... Uh, the uh, co-founder of Show Me Better Health Initiative with Aetna, the insurance company, uh, using better health practices for underserved communities. This is all very important work. And during COVID-19, the reason I invited Robert to be on the show now is because it seems that the African-American community, which is currently officially 13% of the U.S. population, although I've read that unofficially uh, the African-American community is actually 17% of the national population, but they seem to have more than their share of COVID-19 related deaths. So Robert Ferguson, thank you for taking the time to speak to us today about the African-American community, wellness, and COVID-19. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. And uh, yes, we have disproportionate rates of mortality as a result of COVID-19 for those in the African-American community. Uh, Matter of fact, in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, about a week ago, uh, all the deaths that they had, which I don't have the exact number in front of me, all of them were African-American. Right. Right. That's actually, that's actually shocking. It's a shocking thing to say. And now, as a, ma- as a researcher, as a nutritionist, without all the data, because obviously data will keep coming in on COVID-19 for months and years, but what's your thinking now as to why potentially this could be so? Well, one, you have uh, health disparities, which you hear people talk about a lot. But what you don't hear people talk about are health inequities. And that is a disparity that is unjust and could be prevented. So, for instance, a health inequity, when they said we're going to do testing um, and have people drive up in cars, that's great. But the inequity about that is that a lot of people don't have cars. So then those people don't get access to the same type of testing. And so when you have pre-existing inequities in place among the African-American community, largely in under-resourced populations, uh, or, 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 you know, communities, then you're going to have uh, respiratory illnesses that are, like, at a very high level. 
that are all associated with excess body fat. And this excess body fat that correlates with increased likelihood of heart disease, uh, asthma, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and these are all the red flags that are associated with COVID-19 concerns or people who will have a tough time making it through it if they attracted the, uh, the, the virus. Yes, yes. Our guest is Robert Ferguson, who's a nationally recognized certified nutritionist uh, working with a number of organizations, including Aetna, uh, and also has worked with uh, many celebrities. We all like to hear about various celebrities. Shaka Khan, a big fan of hers, uh, Tony Braxton, Ricky Lake, Chucky D, Public Enemy, Latoya Jackson. You know, many people uh, that we, we know from watching, listening to their records or, uh, you know, watching them on TV. And Robert, now, as a... As a young man, what was it that moved you towards the idea that nutrition is a principal factor in wellness? Uh, was it some one of the high school coaches? I mean, who who, who told you? Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a mama's boy. So my mom is the inspiration for why I do the work that I, I do. So I grew up watching my mom battle with her weight. You know, one month she loses 100 you know, pounds. Um, a year later, she's gained it all back. So mm-hmm. I saw the... The, the happiness that came when a person felt better and looked better, and I also saw the, the pain and frustration that comes when you gain it back and you find yourself in an even worse situation. So my mom would be is my inspiration. Uh, and then as I matured in life, I, I also discovered that, you know, Hippocrates, who's the founding father of modern-day medicine, once says that all uh, disease begins in the gut. And a lot of people don't realize it, but our gut, bacteria, our intestine, that makes up about 70% of our immune system. And so if your immune system is weakened, then even with the COVID-19, as well as just living a quality life, uh, are weakened uh, or, or that wins. Does that make sense? Oh, it certainly makes sense. No, I completely agree. I, I have the same uh, approach. It makes it seems very commonsensical to me, but I'm glad that uh, young men such as yourself are actually bringing that forward. So can I ask this kind of leading question? Do you feel that the consumption of processed sugar is a significant risk factor for heart disease and diabetes and obesity? I would say the amount that you consume at one time is a problem. Um, because, you know, a lot of times people are real quick to demonize certain foods or ingredients. But the reality is that, you know, if I, if I ate a little bit of high fructose corn syrup, it's not going to cause you to be obese or cause problems. It's the amount that people are consuming. It's kind of like, you know, if you eat one Twinkie, that's one outcome. But if you eat the whole box at one time, that's a whole different outcome. So, yes. so I think uh, educating people on the... Uh, proper proportions, getting people in the habit uh, or giving them the structure where they're less likely to overindulge when they do indulge uh, or eat, that, that's, that's what we want to get to. So I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to demonize any type of food. I'm just going to show you how to make the most of it because the FDA does a great job. Our CDC does a great job. Um, you know, we have open commerce where, you know, people are going to, they're going to sell Krispy Kreme. They're going to sell certain things, and if you tell people no, you know, even from a biblical standpoint, then that's the thing that people want to do. So right. Instead of saying you can't, let's show people how. Well, that seems very fair. That seems very fair. Our guest is Robert Ferguson, and Robert Ferguson is a fitness expert, nutritionist, uh, and currently serving on the Presidential Task Force on Obesity, 
with the National Medical Association and works with the NAACP, a very important organization, and other groups, including uh, many Fortune 500 companies, uh, including Anthem, uh, Aetna, United Healthcare, others, and uh, many celebs as well. I mentioned those earlier. And Robert, so chatting with the listeners of Here's to Your Health during the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously no one has all the answers, and we only have part of the answers. And but and also, we're not even sure about how valid some of the testing is to determine if someone has COVID-19. So what do you suggest we do now as far as wellness ideas to make ourselves less susceptible? Well, uh, my, my thing is live as if, right? So if everyone just lived life as if they were diagnosed with the uh, COVID, with the virus, that would make things much easier for everybody. Uh, the other thing is going back to what I mentioned earlier as far as gut bacteria in our immune system. Um, don't add fuel to the fire. So, for instance, if you're, if, if you're going to avoid deep-fried food, this is the time to do it because it's deep-fried food or foods that are harder to digest that compromise our immune system. If you're going to avoid uh, alcohol, this is the time to do it or make sure you don't overconsume. Again, alcohol can is adding fuel to to the fire. It can it can wreak havoc on your immune system and have you compromised. Um, be active. You know, one of the negatives that no one's really talking too much about is the role of activity on our gut bacteria, our immune system. Um, and now, you know, you have the average person that was walking five thousand steps, seven thousand steps a day. What we've learned is <clears throat> stay healthy in all the research that we're doing is that that's been cut in half, and sometimes like 80 90%. So that means they're not as active, which also compromises your immune system. So be active while you're in the house. Eat food on a regular basis. Be mindful of the food that you're consuming. Don't overindulge alcohol. Uh, and keep your spirits high because, you know, the way we think, um, we know, plays a huge role on our immune system, even how we digest food. So you want to keep the spirits up. And as you may have heard, uh, and, and it's good to point this out, you have quite a few, you know, families that are breaking up right now. Domestic violence is, is uh, at all-time high. You know, people are spending time together and they're not having fun. They're getting frustrated. So, you know, bring the fun back and uh, keep everything, you know, light and be optimistic and, you know, meditate, prayer. All those things will help. Right. I, I completely agree. Our guest is Robert Ferguson, an important nutritionist. Uh, who works closely with the NAACP and helps to has and has been helping the underserved uh, African American community, the black and brown community uh, of the United States, with these uh, wellness ideas because the uh, the poor among us, uh, which is a lot more of us now that many of us are not working, uh, it has been underserved as far as healthcare in the country. And we have read that more than eighty percent of the people who have COVID nineteen have underlying health conditions, including obesity, heart disease, and diabetes, and those diseases most of us feel, are largely lifestyle. Robert, may I ask you, were you influenced by the work of Dick Gregory, which is a man, obviously, of maybe your father's or grandfather's generation? Was his nutritional ideas, were they important to you? Oh, absolutely. And I had the privilege and opportunity to spend quality time with Dick Gregory on a few occasions. Right, um, yeah. And he, and he appreciated and respected my work. It was very different than what you know, he was doing. He was a little bit more extreme, which was part of the whole up, uprise and his experience with, you know, uh, the civil rights movement, you name it. But, yeah, Dick, Dick was a, a, a great guy, very fun to be around, extremely thought-provoking, 
and played a huge role on fueling my desire to continue the work that I do. Right. Oh, Dick Gregory was great. And there was a man who not only was very successful in show business as a comedian at a time when there were no African-American comedians working in white nightclubs. I think you Hefner tapped him to fill in the Chicago Playboy Club because Professor Irwin Corey couldn't make it one evening. So Dick was not only popular in 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 comedy a full four or five years before uh, Bill Cosby, really way before Bill Cosby. But then he also, and he was hated for being involved with, uh, you know, breaking the color barrier there. And then always inv- he was involved strongly with civil rights, which he w- didn't win him any friends among the uh, white extremists. But then also Dick Gregory in 1974 wrote a book called Cooking with Mother Nature, which was a very important book on wellness, talking about the idea of fresh, healthy food, something that many of us take for granted today. But at the time, Dick Gregory was vilified for that too. So he's been vilified for a lot of things, but time has shown that Dick Gregory was right about a lot of ideas. So I'm personally a very big fan of his work. Well, you are right on, and you're extremely accurate, yes. Dick Gregory came before right. uh, Bill Cosby and, and Richard Pryor and and played a major, major role in opening up doors uh, for those people. And even when Dick Gregory died, you know, Bill Cosby showed up at his funeral. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you got to pay homage. I mean, pay pay, pay your respects. And, and you're right. It, you know, what would be really cool is if, if Dick was alive today to be able to talk to him about this epidemic. He would have so much to say. Yes. Yes, um, I completely agree. Yes, yes he would. And oh, he- yeah. And, and, and you know, a lot of conspiracies, like you know, woven inside whatever he would say. But, you know, as Hippocrates was correct, Dick Gregory is correct. You know, Jacqueline, who was a, was a friend of mine for a long time, uh, was correct. You know, we, we must start looking at how we eat, how we think, how we move. And I believe that the country is going to start looking at that a little bit more um, carefully. And I believe that a lot of uh, African-American, black and brown people, all people who have been battling with you know, various illnesses that are associated with excess body fat, I believe they're going to come out of this uh, a little bit more health conscious. And I believe that restaurants are going to be making the move to give more healthy uh, options. I see nothing but positive coming out of this epidemic. Well, that's very nice. Our, 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 Our guest is Robert Ferguson, has a new book out. Well, actually, his website is Diet Free Life. And, uh, Robert, do you have any new books out you want to mention? No, I don't have, I haven't written a book um, in a while, but we do have a, a new online course that we're making available. Um, all they have to do is go to dietfreelife.com, and that's, we're real big on not dieting, but living, uh, and living a diet-free lifestyle. So uh, that course is available for people, and they can jump right into it. We've made it affordable. We've made it easy. Um, they can do it whenever they want to do it, do it as often as they want. Um, so that's what we're doing right now. And I'll have a new book out by, uh, before 2021. Oh, that's good. So Robert Ferguson, if you wish to contact Robert directly, you can go to www.dietfreelife.com. That's www.dietfreelife.com. And you can find out more about Robert Ferguson's work. Robert, we have about a minute left. Could you give the listeners of Here's to Your Health a final thought on what we can do right now for COVID-19 and going forward? Stay hydrated. Drink water uh, and drink it all day long. In the beginning, when you're drinking water and you hadn't been drinking water adequately, uh, you'll find yourself going to the restroom. But after about three days of being consistent with your water intake, 
you won't find yourself rushing to the restroom as often or the washroom. Uh, water is our friend. I mean, our muscles are made up of 75% water, our brain 75% water, our blood 83% water, our, even our bones are 22% made up of water. Water, you know, is, is our friend. And, you know, we know that a large part of the population is under uh, or are dehydrated. And as a result of being dehydrated, you have a whole bunch of other conditions to come up. So being uh, hydrated is going to help you with inflammation. It's going to help you with everything. So water would be the tip that everybody knows, but most of us aren't doing. Well, that sounds very good. Our guest has been Robert Ferguson, and you can contact Robert Ferguson at www.dietfreelife.com. That's www.dietfreelife.com. Very important information from Robert Ferguson. And uh, this is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break. And we'll be right back after these important messages. The latest from the greatest, the best in new music by classic rockers, with your host, the insane Daryl Wayne. This is Alice Cooper, and if Daryl Wayne is insane, what does that make me criminally insane? Stick around to find out. Many of the artist interviews for the latest from the greatest have been captured on audiobook. There is a volume one and volume two. Great information and conversations with people in the industry and people surrounded by the industry and of course the rock stars themselves i'm the reverend al green and you're listening to the insane daryl wayne and i said wayne insane you can find it on amazon or blackstone audio search for the latest from the greatest from daryl wayne d-a-r-r-e-l-l-w-a-y-n-e hello this is weird al yankovic and you're listening to the insane daryl wayne aren't you Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. If you have any questions about the guests or topics discussed tonight, please give us a call at 818-707-0005. That number is 818-707-0005. This is Josh Lane. On behalf of the cast and crew, I would like to wish you a healthy and safe good evening. CAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.